The Bulls found out yesterday that they lost Zach Levine for the remainder of the season due to him having a pending foot surgery. The Bulls also got their asses kicked by the Sacramento Kings, in which they did show a lot of heart down the stretch of that game in the second half. We're going to break that down as well as dive into the mailbag. All that and more right after this. You are now tuned in to Chicago Bulls Central, your number one spot for all things Chicago Bulls, hosted by Hayes. What's going on, Bulls fans? Welcome to another episode of Chicago Bulls Central, your number one spot for everything Chicago Bulls related. I'm the host, Air Hayes, but more importantly, you guys can follow the channel at Bulls Central Pod on every social media platform we happen to be on. With that being said, let's go ahead and get into this content for the day. And uh, the Bulls lost to the Sacramento Kings. And it was a loss where it, the game definitely started off ugly for the Chicago Bulls. Uh, the uh, the Sacramento Kings were up, I believe, by 19 in the first half. They got that lead up to as much as almost 30 at one point in time. At the start of that third quarter is where things started to turn for the Bulls. After an initial run by the Sacramento Kings, the Bulls started marching back. And they started playing great defense. That defense was leading a really good offense. An easy offense, and the Bulls really got that lead down, I think, as low as one point to two, I believe. Maybe it was four. But then the Bulls just did not have enough down the stretch. And when you have to expound that much energy to bring a lead down like that, it kind of makes sense. And that's not to throw the Bulls any bell. How the Bulls played with a more consistent brand of defense throughout most of that game, then the, then the, the, the Bulls would have been in the game closer and probably even had a chance to win. This still was a game that they did have a chance to win, but some mistakes down the stretch. Fouls from Alice Caruso, turnovers, which really hurt the Bulls overall in this game. It just put the Bulls at a deficit against a team in the Sacramento Kings that I said on yesterday's pre-recorded video that um, that if you let the Kings go on a run and that goes completely unanswered, that could be what completely gets you out of the game. And while that didn't happen per se in this game, the Kings did, you know, they were able to match every run that the Chicago Bulls went on. The Bulls went on like a 10-2 run, a 10-4 run. The Kings would go on another one, but... The Bulls did chip away considerably at that lead. And like I said, I got to give the Bulls credit for how they competed down the stretch of this game because, listen, it, it would have been, and this Bulls team has done this before, at times where, the, you know, a team goes out on a, on a big run to start the third quarter, and the Bulls just are out of that game completely at that point. They happened in this game where the, where the Kings went on another run to go in the quarter to push the lead even more, but this Bulls team really did battle back. And when you look at the way that the stats ended up in the night, Kobe White with 26 points, Six rebounds, four assists. He made three, uh, four three-pointers, but he had 12 points in the fourth quarter of this game. And, you know, in the fourth quarter, he got the majority of the shots. Now, DeMar DeRozan was right behind him, you know, getting only two less shots than than uh, than uh, DeMar, I mean, sorry, than uh, Kobe White in the, in the fourth quarter of this game. But at the end of the day, like, Kobe still just balled out, man. And it was good to see Billy Donovan go to Kobe, ride the hot hand. There are definitely some questions that, you know, Bulls fans had after the game of, you know, there were like three possessions in a row that went through DeMar DeRozan. Bulls fans want to see, uh, rightfully so, the ball in Kobe White's hands. I do think there are some basketball reasons for that of trying to, you know, run Kobe off ball uh, and get him some some screen motions coming down off screens, things like that, to hopefully maybe get a wide open three point shot. But the execution wasn't really there, and it led to the Bulls, you know, getting lost. And I don't want to take anything away from the Kings, right? I do not want to paint it as if this is a game that the Bulls lost instead of the Kings won. No, the Kings are one of the best teams in the NBA. And last year, they had a generational offense per efficiency numbers, and they're still pretty damn good offensively now. now. They have their defensive woes, things like that, which you didn't necessarily take advantage of the full game. But I tell you what, De'Aaron Fox, 41 points in this game, and he played some absolute great defense down the stretch of the, of, of the game, you know, uh, forcing uh, the, the turnovers, things like that, getting the ball out of players' hands. Really good. Demonis Sabonis also with a triple-double in this game, 13 points, 
14 rebounds, 10 assists. So shout out to Demonis Sabonis on that one. And, and, you know, this Kings team just got production in the right places. They had production off the bench with Trey Lyles with 16 points uh, as well. Like, and Keegan Murray, only five points. We played some solid defense on him. But the, listen, this Kings team played really well. Their offense, they do, how they move the ball around. In the first half of the game, they had like 24 assists on 28 made baskets. It was only four uh, baskets that weren't assisted on. That's crazy. And then when you look at how they ended the game, 33 assists on 42 made baskets, only nine baskets not being assisted on. That's how you move the ball around. That 30 assist number in the NBA is real for both the Bulls and for other teams when they're able to get to that. And, you know, I got to give my, uh, like I said, hats off. I got to give credit to the Sacramento Kings for how they performed in this game. Outside of Kobe, though, DeMar with 24 points, seven rebounds, six assists, and four steals from DeMar. Vooch had 24 and 12 and three assists. And then you had Ayo DeSumo also with 18 points, five assists, four rebounds. He also made three three-pointers. Ayo's balling out right now for the Chicago Bulls. You know, since he's been kind of forced to move into that starting lineup, he's been giving the Bulls really, really good production. And I got to give Ayo credit for that. Outside of that, Caruso with seven points. We didn't have anybody score off double digits off the bench. You look at the best bench performer was Torrey Craig with five points. Shout out to Torrey Craig leading the Bulls and scoring off the bench in his first game back. Only 14 minutes played. Drum played 14 minutes, had two points, eight rebounds in that time. But nothing remarkable coming off the bench at all um, in this game. Julian Phillips in 13 minutes had five fouls. So that's why you saw his minutes kind of dwindle down as well down the stretch of this game. Hopefully the Bulls learn the right things from this game and kind of move on. You know, they got to play a full 48 minutes of defense. Like I said, I can understand the offense being up and down, but if you consistently give that effort on defense, fight go to, to go around screens, things like that, it, it's going to really help put yourself in a better situation. And so while the third quarter isn't what killed the Bulls in this game, the first half did. And so you, you make those quarters, at least one of those quarters in the fir- first half closer, you're talking about being more in this game down the stretch of it. So. You know, that's something the Bulls got to learn from it. But one thing we learned as a fan base yesterday is Zach Levine is going to be out for the remainder of the season. He did, him and his camp did elect to have season-ending surgery, which has now put up a, a, a spotlight on a lot of Bulls fans asking, um, is this was this a ploy by Zach Levine and his management group to keep him from necessarily going to the Detroit Pistons? And listen, I'm a conspiracy theorist all the way. No, no, make no mistake about it. In life, in sports, in everything, I am definitely definitely a conspiracy theorist and here's what i'll say on that i'm not saying that zach and his camp didn't elect to have the surgery maybe to avoid uh having a a a trade to the detroit pistons but if they are hoping now that that means a team's going to pivot and they're going to go to a different team in the offseason to me this did nothing but almost guarantee that zach levine is going to be with the bulls at the very least next year's trade deadline now a team could trade for zach levine uh in the offseason uh, you know, his rehab, uh, him being out uh, up to six months, that would put him back coming back around uh, July, which is enough time before training camp. We've seen players traded close to training camp before. Dame is one of them that was cl- traded pretty close to training camp opening. Um, so there's definitely a possibility that that happened. Now, what I'll say, though, is that with Zach Levine, one of the knocks on him already being he's injury prone, having another a, a season-ending surgery in the same season where you've had two times where you've been out with injury for an extended amount of time that's another question there and I don't know if a team even in this upcoming offseason takes a risk on Zach Levine without seeing him first come back play for a while stay healthy and contribute to winning so I think that this maybe just pushed it into next trade deadline we're gonna have a whole nother basically offseason period and and start of the season to the trade deadline of, of Zach Levine trade speculation so be prepared for that 
Bravo, Zach Levine. Thank you for you and, and Clutch Sports for giving us another. God, I'm so tired of Zach Levine trades. Now we got to talk about it for potentially a whole nother year. We could be at this point next year until we're talking about Zach Levine trading. Now, maybe this does wait as a wake-up call for Zach Levine. Maybe Zach Levine, whatever this team, the Bulls team, does to finish the season, if they finish strong or not, maybe he comes back, he's a part of the team winning, and eventually wants to stay here. That is a possibility as well. If Zach Levine just wants to win, first got to prove that you can contribute to winning. And in doing that, that may mean that the Bulls are winning at a high level. And maybe he's, he decides to stay here. Maybe he does increase his trade value. There's a lot to, uh, of possible scenarios with this. It just sucks, as I said in the emergency episode when this news dropped, that we've now gotten to this point where, uh, you know, the season started off the way that it did. Zach Levine shooting some of the worst splits of his career, him, DeMar, and Vooch for that matter. Uh, then the trade rumors start and the request comes out. You then go down with injury. You come back. You don't go down again. And it ends up with you having season-ending surgery. Um, and now we just get to keep talking about this heading into the offseason. The good thing is, once the trade deadline passes, in four days, I can't. I have not been so forward-looking to a a period ending. Like, I'm just this serious. I'm ready for this trade period to end. I'm tired of all the think pieces. I'm tired of all of it. I just can't wait for it to be done. And then we can just focus on basketball on the court for the rest of the season. And then we get into the offseason where it's going to start right back up. So, you know, that's that's what it comes down to. But, you know, so Zach's going to be out. This team now doesn't have to worry. Ask those questions if Zach's going to be back in or back out. It allows Billy Donovan to kind of, once Patrick Williams is back, to lock in that rotation for the rest of the year. Um, and we'll see how this Bulls team continue to, to, to uh, compete. Now, DeMar DeRozan is very confident in this team's ability to compete, and he said it in this clip here. What's your feeling about this team's future? And obviously you may or may not be a part of it. I mean, the guys that's in here compete. Got the utmost confident faith in them that we go out there and compete with, with anybody. You know, we showed it. You know, I, I, it sucks that we've been plagued with so many injuries. Um, you know, especially you know, today hearing you know Zach out for for the season. You know, losing Patrick um, for a couple of weeks. Um, you know, it was good to get TC back tonight. But you know, um, for what we at, for what we've been through, from how we started, you know, it gives me the utmost confidence in this group of guys that, you know, go out there and play against anybody, you know. So, for me, I got the utmost confidence. And so, you know, that that thought process of this team can compete with anyone. Let's hope that that continues because this team is a team that has shown an ability to fight. It's just they need to do it consistently. They need to do it throughout all, all four quarters of a game, and that was, like, one of the things evident in this game. So, we'll see what the Bulls can do, man. They sit right now at back at four games below 500. Uh, like I said, the month of February is kind of difficult for them. We face off against Minnesota Tuesday, Memphis Thursday, which, okay, that should be an easier one. The Orlando Magic on Saturday, which is going to be fun as well. So, you know, we got three games coming up next week. We'll see how those games play off for the Bulls. Those are, you know, games that I want to see if the Bulls can have a winning week. We didn't have a winning week this week. It is what it is. We went 2-1 and one this week. I'm sorry, 1-2 and two this week. So let's see if the Bulls can have a winning week. If they could win the week. Uh, you know, we'll see what that means for the Bulls getting closer to 500 as we head towards the trade deadline. We got those games next week, and then uh, basically we uh, have two games uh, up until the All-Star break. We have a game against uh, the Atlanta Hawks next Monday on the 12th, and then against the Cleveland Cavaliers on the 14th, which is Valentine's Day. And then we have eight days off we have um, until we have to go back to it. So, you know, we'll see how the Bulls use that All-Star break. No All-Stars this season, so let's see how the Bulls are going to use it in if we can come back in that nature of being able to compete with anyone, if that holds true on the on the, on the back third of this season. But, you know, it's, it's sad, 
Sunday. It's Sunday. So that means it's mailbag day still. Let's go ahead and get into this first voicemail. This one is from Corey May. Yo, yeah, what's up, man? This is Marvelous Corey May calling in. I mean, last time I called in, it was kind of rude. He was giving out insults and stuff. Telling me not to call in and what I was saying didn't make sense. But, you know, I don't do all that social media stuff. I let that social media universe be, yeah, what it is. Just in real life, people just don't insult me, but, you know, that's neither here nor there. But last time we were talking, you were saying you didn't understand what I was saying. Derrick Rose got hurt with less than two minutes on the clock. He was up 12. Thibodeau played him too long because Thibodeau didn't have nobody else to lean on because Derrick Rose didn't have another running mate. That is facts. Tyrese Maxey is better than Kobe White. When I was saying that it was just my opinion, you had your opinion. But now it's fact because Tyrese Maxey is also. Kobe White is not. So, I mean, I don't see how you don't understand that unless you just don't understand facts. But facts is facts. You don't like me, that's cool. I, I, I get that. You know, you give me a little attitude before when I had called in about Zach Levine not being a max player. But clearly that's facts. Because you can't trade Zach Levine for a cup of sugar. It's just facts. I only speak on facts. And it's just facts that I'm a blue-collar worker. I do eight hours at least, 16 when I'm trying to get extra money, which I do two to three times a week because I want extra money. I'm trying to get somewhere. But I don't play 2K. That's just facts. You was throwing that out as an insult. 2K this, 2K that. And you was doing it when we was talking about drafting. I ain't never heard nobody say, oh, I'm going to skip these games because I'm trying to get to this draft when they play in 2K. That's about trades, not drafting. But that's neither here nor there either. If you continue to go down this path with the Bulls, they're going to be mediocre for the next 10 years. You must draft high. You must get in that top range of draft players because you want the cream of the crop, the best players. You want good best players to develop them into superstars. The lower you pick, the harder it is to develop them into a superstar. We don't have a superstar. That's what we need. And if you're talking about building a team around Kobe White, we will, I mean, I, that's just idiotic. He's not a superstar. We ain't going to be shit. I want to say. All right. First of all, and this is what I mean. If you're going to call yourself marvelous, at least be smart, right? At least be smart. Don't be so in your feelings. You're so in your feelings that you got cooked in something that you're just looking for something to hang on. Like, you waited until Tyrese Maxey became an all-star and then came back with a point that was already debunked. Being an all-star doesn't mean that you're all of a sudden this much better player in part of because of where that team is and the fact that we already knew Maxey was good. And that wasn't even necessarily the question that you had. The question that you originally that we started with was that, uh, you know, Maxey in uh, the most improved player. And again, Maxey already was good. And so when you look at Maxi's stats, for example, without uh, without um, Joel Embiid on the floor, he's averaged 21 points per game, 3.9 assists, 2.9 rebounds in 52 games. So well over a half a season's worth of data. I'm sorry. And I'm not saying that Embiid makes Maxi a good player. Not at all. He's a good player without Tyrese Maxi. I mean, without Joel Embiid. But the fact of the matter is, is having a player that is a true star and MVP caliber puts you in a situation where it alleviates a lot from you. Kobe's doing what he's doing as the number one option on offense. And if you're going to talk about facts, then that is facts. And then also your lack of comprehension. When I bring up 2K, it's not that anybody is simming to get to the draft in 2K. Are you an idiot? It was, the, it was to say that the thought process that you're putting forth happens in, vi in video games and not in a realistic manner in the reality that we live in. I don't know what, you can't grasp that. Be mar Again, if you're going to be marvelous, be intelligent on top of that. And you want to talk about facts, right? Derrick Rose, you said Derrick Rose got hurt because he didn't have any help. 
that game was won. That game was locked in. Derrick Rose shouldn't, shouldn't have been on the court. So, no, he didn't get hurt because he didn't have help. That injury isn't because of not having help. When you look at even the meniscus, that would have happened again. You can't say he didn't have help when he had Joe, when he had Joe Kim Noah playing at a great level, Lou Aldane playing at a great level. Right? What are you talking about? One of the deepest benches in the league, just because you don't have another star next to you doesn't mean that you don't have help. Again, another idiotic comment. Don't be marvelous. Be intelligent. And then let's keep it, let's keep it going with this. Like, you just, you don't make sense. And like I said before, and the point that you keep missing, you keep saying we should just trade everyone because that's going to get us the best talent. First of all, there has been three players in NBA history that have won a team that they were drafted number one overall by. And one of them had to leave, win a championship with another person, another team, and then come back. What are we talking about? Yes, the talent at the top of the draft theoretically is better. But look at teams that have gone. Jimmy Butler, who has gone to the finals and pushed his team, wasn't a top pick in the draft. Jokic, who won a title, wasn't the top pick in the draft. Even Steph Curry, when you want to look at the Warriors. Yeah, he was he was a decent draft pick, right? But it wasn't that, that he was the number one, number five pick. They built that team through drafting smart. Yes, you got a bigger chance of bites at the apple by drafting earlier. But the fact of the matter is, in being smart in drafting, look at, for example, at where the Bulls have drafted in history. We could have a whole different team had we gone with Walker Kessler, Tyrese Maxey, I'm sorry, uh, 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 Tyrese Halliburton, over, over Patrick Williams. That literally will put you in a much better situation on those alone. So, again, I get what you're getting at, and I understand the mindset of let's just be bad so we have more chances at getting a good player. And, and Kobe White, you have to build a team around somebody, right? Kobe White is not going to be that piece that is the number one option on your team, but guess what? He can be a foundational piece. And until you get that player that, that is a true number one or player ascends to that, you still have to build something around your team Corey Mays, you may feel like you're marvelous, but you're not intelligent. You need to do better. And if you continue to be in your feelings about it, I mean, I don't know what to tell you, bruh. Go find you a lady. Let's go ahead and get into the next uh, voicemail. This one's from Corn. Hey, what's good, team, man? It's Corn, man. Uh, you know, I want to give a shout out to Kobe White. Um, Agent Zero 2.0, man. Um, I want to give him a shout out, man. Um, being the player of the month, man, that's something the way he's been balling, man, has been simply amazing. Um, had a conversation, should we build around him? I'm going to say he should be a foundation piece that we build around. I don't know if we should build around him, but he is for sure a foundation piece that we should build around. Um, another thing, I'm going to say something that's very unpopular because I've been sitting here thinking about it, trade that line is going on. Um, we need to trade AC and Drummond. I know, I know, and I understand. Uh, we need to trade them because their value is as high as we're going to get. I don't want us to make that same mistake that we made with Zach. If anybody a year ago to now says, if we would have made that, should we would have made that next deal, they will be saying yes right now. Um, if we could get two first-round picks, um, if we could get a second round or whatever for Drummond, uh, make that move. Uh, make that move. Uh, give the young guys some tip. Um, get rid of Javon Carter. I don't care where he go. Uh, trade him too, and and we go have Troy Gregg and Vooch. And uh, I believe Demar will stay. I know we go trade Zach. So you know, if we try, I want to trade Demar, but like I said, it, in my perfect world, the only veterans would be Vooch and Troy Craig. And um, let the young man, let the young man. Get a chance, uh, bring up Shinobu, you know, cause now we got rid of Drummond, uh, bring up Julian Phillips, let them play more, let them ball more. Um, cause we, we, we even though what, what they doing is, 
is great. And, and I know AC, you got to watch the game. It's not on the box score. But the simple fact is that he need to be on the championship team. We're not on that right now. We kind of only really chewing. So if we could get, like I said, man, two first round picks for AC, do it, brothers. Do it, do it, do it. Trade Drummond, stack up on some picks. I know it's not popular, but it is what it is. All right, Peace so I'm going to say this. This is a very unpopular opinion through Bulls fans, but I understand what Corn's getting at. If you can get two first round picks for Alex, do you try to bite at the deal? There are actually some Bulls fans that agree with you. There are some that say, absolutely not. Alex Caruso is so important to this team, what he brings. And the fact of the matter is I fluctuate back and forth myself, right? So I can understand both sides. There are times where I look at what Alex Caruso brings and I look at what other teams in the league have done when they've kind of gone completely young and not having veteran pieces, how that's really kind of held back the development. And I just like Alex Caruso as a player as well. And I kind of want to see him. Sometimes you just want to have players on your team that help build culture. And Alex Caruso is one of those players. But at the same time, Considering that this team gave up so many assets to build this version of the team, I also understand the fact of recouping some of those where you can. And so it's a it's an interesting place to sit when you kind of look at both sides of it because both sides have their own validity. And it really comes down to then I look at the front office, right? And this front office is a front office that wants to compete. This is a front office that wants to um, always try to win that doesn't really want to tank. And because of that, I think it fits with their mythology to go in there with methodology is the word that I wanted to use there. Come on. See, talking too many Corey Hayes voicemails got my brain scrambled. But that is part of the reason why. So it's like it's it's a it's a duality to it. Right. And so we'll see what happens, man. Um, I don't know. Does the Zach Levine uh, situation trade anything? I mean, change anything? I don't think so. Um, if this team was committed to keeping. Alex Caruso on, and that's the value that they hold him on. I don't think Zach Levine going down either hurts or strengthens that. I think that that just their their opinion on that stays the same. Now, when it comes to Drummond, I do think the Bulls may be more willing to move Drummond, even though I love Drummond on this team as well. I would love to see Drummond sign a contract extension because it just comes down to they may look at it and say we can get another center backup center that can do something. They can't do what Andre Drummond does. Let me be clear. I don't think there's any other backup center in the league that can do exactly what Andre Drummond Drummond does, and that is he can get you a double double. If he gets, usually, between 15 and 18 minutes, he's going to be able to get you a double-double. And so I don't know that there's a lot to do that. And so I, I, we'll see. And that may be what makes him valuable. So I tell you what, considering that Drum's contract is like $3.3 million, if a team calls you um, that's like low, I mean like one of the better teams in the league, that their draft pick's probably going to be like 28, 29, 30 in the first round, and they say, we got this for you for Drum because we need him for this championship run, I think that that may be a little bit hard to turn down. But, hey, I could be wrong on that. Bulls fans, let me know what you think down below. All right, let's get into this next one. This one's from AP. Yo, what's up, Hayes? This is AP from Missouri. I, I fuck with you. You know what I'm saying? You've been my dude for a long time. I'm proud to see what you've been doing, but this is what I'm trying to bring to you. I was just thinking to myself, the Bulls got a pretty good, decent-ass backcourt in Io DeSumo and Kobe White. And I was thinking to myself, in four years, they both would be like 27, 28 years old. And KD, LeBron, like all all the big name dudes that like last generation's dudes, I be out the league. And I say, damn, looking around the league, it's only a few backcourts that I stay fucking with them. Like Curry and all them, Curry, Thompson, they gonna be gone. So my thing for you is, do you think the Bulls could have a top five backcourt in the league if they keep Io 
and Kobe White together? Let me know what you think. Can Kobe and Io be a top five backcourt in the future? Bro, I, I'll tell you this. I haven't seen enough to say that. I think they could be damn good. But I think also what we're seeing is that when Io's at his best, he's not really playing in the backcourt. He's playing on the wing. So, you know, I think that may point to him staying a bench player because he's able to do that. But I'm not here to put a cap on any player anymore. Listen, Kobe White went from averaging nine points per game to being our number one option, rightfully so, on offense. So I'm not willing to put a cap on any player. Maybe they can. We know that they do have chemistry. They developed that Iowa's rookie year when they were both coming off the bench for a, a stint there before Iowa moved to the starting lineup. So maybe you look at the defense, offensive nature of both those guys, the fact that Iowa, especially when he gets out in transition, is a monster. There's definitely potential for that, so I can't knock it. I don't know if I can say top five yet, but I definitely think that they can be a solid backcourt together. Um, they would both have to grow a little bit more and do it consistently before I'm willing to say top five, bro. But I understand the, the thought process you're coming from on that one. All right, let's get into this next voicemail. This one's from T'Challa. It's your boy T'Challa, the savior. I haven't called in a minute, but I'm back. Um, I just wanted to speak on our front office. Actually, our front office has did a really good job, actually a great job with the team that they have built. Now, as far as the injuries and and then you not expecting Booch to be playing like he's playing, that's unexpected like a fucking draft. There's nothing you can do. Now, any any real front office thinking, okay, when you draft Booch before he came, the way he was doing in the playoffs and in the regular season with Orlando Magic, that dude was balling out of control. We didn't think, oh, yeah, he's going to get here and be scoring 12, 14 points, you know, the majority of the fucking time. No, our front office has did a great job, a great job with everything. The thing is, you every uh, the league is unpredictable because of the fit, the personalities, the coaching staff, all that stuff. You, you just don't know if it's going to work. But as far as the system, you would think it would work, but sometimes things just don't work out. And those were the best available people on the market then with the money that we had spent. Now, look at what we got on the market now. And look at what we had on the market last year. Everybody started screaming, trade, trade, trade. They ain't doing anything. What the fuck is on the goddamn market? It's nothing on the market. It's nothing there. Like, what, are we just making a trade to make a trade? Now, this year, okay. GMs, why would you want a player who really haven't won anything and then got a big-ass contract and all this other stuff? So, of course, a lot of people don't want to trade for Zach Levine. I don't want him to go anyway. But the thing is, you have to – Put your GM hat on, your uh, uh, basketball uh, executive pres uh, uh, president uh, staff hat on. It's nothing on the market for real. So if we don't make a trade, uh, they not a bad fucking front office. It's nothing there. That's what people don't understand. You have to look at the money. You have to look at the market. You got to look at what we need. It's nothing really there that's available. Now, people, Bulls fans, educate yourself. Go look at the market and go see what's there. You're going to find out. It's not It's not much. We're just making a trade just to be making one. So a lot of people don't understand that type of thing. It was nothing there last year. It's really nothing available there this year. So, I mean, educate yourself. Use your head. And uh, shout out to you, brother. Keep doing your thing, Mr. Hayes. Bulls front office doing well. I mean, I get what you laid out there. I do think that some of the misses that they had, Bulls fans, rightfully so. They have the right to stick on that, especially when you look at the draft and how important 
when you give up draft picks, it is right to, to get some of those draft picks right. But much like with Kobe White, we didn't see until year five Kobe being this level of player consistently, right? So maybe it can turn around for Julian Phillips, who still shows a lot of promise. Patrick Williams maybe is still only, what, 22, 23 years old and potentially could show even more promise. Dalen Terry isn't done yet, not even nearly. He hasn't seen him. And then we still got uh, Ernal team. We still got Adama Sinogo. They're down there in that G League as well, cooking down there. So there's the, maybe, um, you know, those, the draft kind of critiques that we have on them, maybe that that fixes itself over time. Again, we would have to see that before betting on that. But this front office had had misses. Now, if you're talking about the trade market specifically, which is almost exclusively what you talked about, I agree with you. You got to know what's on the market in, in, in uh, when you're talking about trades. And you got to have a partner. And sometimes, like, because I tell you what, if the Bulls would have made a move at last year's trade deadline, except for that rumored Knicks trade with Zach Levine, the Bulls would have got fleeced in most of those deals that were that were talked about. And so then, yeah, they made moves, but they made moves that maybe weren't the best for the team in the long run. So that's kind of the duality you got to face with that. But overall, uh, yeah, solid voicemail. And like I said, they I don't think they've been perfect. They definitely have. I don't think even you would say that. And they leave much to be desired for. But again, this team starts winning. And watch how a lot of that stuff kind of, we forget about that to a degree, right? So we'll end up seeing, man. Great voicemail, though. Thank you for leaving that. Let's get into this next one. This one's from Michael Korn. Hey, hey, hope you're having a good weekend. Uh, talking to my son, Marcus, about Ayo's game, that we both really dig his game. I love how fast he is. Um, uh, I actually really like his shot. We run with this uh, 20-year-old kid who has the same shot. Kind of, uh, when you see him shoot the three, it's kind of almost like a set shot, and he's jumping. But I, I like those mechanics. Seems like it works for Ayo. Uh, the qu- question I have for you, is uh, how high do you think Iowa's ceiling is? I'd like to predict that next year, next season, he's the bull starting guard. Do you think he has that uh, ability? Um, anyway, uh, Bulls play Kings tonight. If they're kicked their ass, have a good one. Thanks, man. Bye. How high is Iowa's ceiling? Listen, I don't. I really don't know. Every time I, tr- I think I have Iowa's ceiling figured out, he plays better. Or I thought I had it figured out last year, and then he played worse. So um, I think Io has the potential to be a really good two-way player. I think at the minimum now, we're talking about a a high-level role player coming off your bench. And mo- keep in mind, I, when I say that, most players in the NBA are role players. You got your superstars, your stars, and just about everybody other than that are role players. So that's what I mean by that. Uh, but I do think he has definitely that potential. And I think that may be the floor for him. Now, that's if he keeps this up. But Io's just such a smart, and that basketball IQ is still so good for him. Um, that defense, the physicality that he can play with at times. And now that he's not trying to be three uh, a point guard and kind of just being out there playing in transition and just being him, it really has worked well for Io DeSumo. So that's my thought process on that. I know I'm sorry I couldn't give you like, hey, this is Io Sillin. But, you know, I can be a very technical thinker sometimes, Mike. But thank you for leaving that voicemail. Let's get into this last one. This one's from L. Hey, hey, this is uh, this L. The one you always highlight, L. L E H, man. In my mind, in my initials. Hey, man, just hit you up right after I heard about the Zach Levine getting the foot surgery. Um, hey, man, I may be wrong. I, I, I believe that the Bulls may probably gonna pull that trigger, send them out to Detroit, maybe. But um, you know, apparently, uh, him and Rich Paul and them looks like they just decided to go for the surgery. Whether he really hurt or not, I don't know how that go. But uh, I think this is more or less uh, uh, an angle at which this keeps him from getting traded now and maybe in the offseason, uh, which could possibly land him in a better position, which might be a good strategy for him. 
But uh, this puts Chicago in a bad spot, man. Uh, ain't going to be able to move this guy. So this is a wrap. He about to ride the bench, get paid, and uh, ain't nothing, ain't nothing uh, AK and them going to be able to do. Um, I think I think we probably get in play in uh, and probably won't get no further than what we got last season. So uh, just let me know what you think about that, man. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, maybe there's more to it. Uh, to me, I think they talked about it. He may need surgery, but uh, I think he's pulling this right now that he didn't land uh, in Chicago or go somewhere where he really don't want to be. I think it's a crazy move. Maybe smart for him, but uh, it, it sucks for the fans, though. But uh, good job with your uh, site, man. Keep doing your thing, Hayes. I'll holler at you. Zach Levine's surgery to keep him from being traded. And I did kind of talk about this in the second segment, and I do think that th- some of that is real, right? But I don't. I think that it hurts him in the long run. I, and maybe I'm wrong on that. Maybe Zach Levine gets this surgery. Teams in the offseason look around. Maybe they have a little bit more cap space, and they say, hey, we, we, we can kind of more easily fit the Zach Levine thing in. Maybe, right? And I just, I just worry that for if the Bulls, especially like if the Bulls win more towards the end of the season, um, and then Zach Levine's out, and like because that's two things, two knocks on Zach Levine's that reportedly hurt his trade value was how does he impact winning and his injury history on top of the contract for sure the contract's not going away though but so I think that that makes those two things kind of strengthen right those concerns even greater and so teams may want to wait like I said to see him come back and contribute to a Bulls team that's winning because I tell you what if this Bulls team finishes the season strong without Zach teams are going to be looking at the way the Bulls start off the season if they don't start off the season as strong and Zach Levine's back in the lineup whether right or wrong, I'm not saying he's going to necessarily be 100% right. People are going to blame that on Zach Levine being reinserted into the lineup. So you got to wait on that narrative and see how that's going to go too. But great voicemails uh, from everyone. Thank you guys for leaving that. If you want to follow the show, make sure you do so at Bull Central Pod on every social media platform. You can also send us any feedback, questions, comments, concerns. BullCentralPod at gmail.com. Lastly, if you want to leave a text message and our voicemail, like you heard on today's show, number to do so, 773 773- 270-2799. We are the number one spot for everything Chicago Bulls related. Thanks to you guys. And like I liked in every episode on. Go Bulls. Love you guys. See you right if you can, y'all. Peace. This has been a presentation of the Break Break Media. Media.